in the talk with you this evening, I would like to explore uh, areas of uh, intimacy in life. At the uh, beginning of the retreat, I um, mentioned that intimacy is uh, an essential, indispensable feature of these teachings, and I think there are ways both in our, what we call our personal life, and in our life with immediacy of others and the world that we live in, the question and area of intimacy has relevance. <coughs> One of the things which we sometimes n notice in our society is the interest to be rather nostalgic about the past, about what sometimes are, uh, is referred to as the good old days. And people will compare how things were to how things, how things are to how things were. And they'll look back on the days, whatever it might be, sometimes it's the 60s, would be looked back with this nostalgia and back into the 50s and sometimes we see uh, an old film particularly old films um, in the 50s or 40s and one of the things which has often struck me in in seeing an old m movie is that in the homes which presu presumably were something of a duplication of typical homes at that time is how little um, there was in the way of furniture in these homes. <laughs> and the kitchens in those days looked very, very sparse, and the, the, the living room looked very sparse with the, with the furniture, as did other rooms as well. And how people were, had to be, and were, to some degree, we are often told, satisfied with that kind of... Uh, lifestyle and something seems to have got mobilized and the mobilization has brought very significant drastic changes and also the roles and the, and the positions of people in the family units were rather fixed if not stayed and everything had a kind of order and structure there's a kind of expectation of continuity of all of that things were rather fixed and in the last generation, which is the generation of you and I, there has been enormous upheavals. And that enormous upheavals has been, uh, has brought about significant changes socially and inwardly. And one might say that those changes for many have been very beneficial and significant and also very painful and difficult as well. And it's part of a kind of the mobilization of events in, the, in this last generation or two. And what we also might say of, uh, of that, speaking in a very general way, is how important and central the concept, and probably always has been, it's been highlighted, of course, in our times, the concept of love is. What is love? Love and intimacy. And there has been, and there's a lot of reflection going on in our 
lives about what is intimacy. And we find, that is we, Henrietta and I, and other uh, teachers as well, when we meet and talk with them, and as many of you know as well, that frequently persons on uh, retreats and people we meet outside of retreats will often will come to us and will say, I've been in this relationship, I've been in relationships for a period of time, and now I have reached such and such an age, and now I'm just wondering, I just have doubts in myself, whether ever again I'll be in another relationship, whether that, whether that will ever be a part of my life. And Henrietta, I think, in one of her uh, in earlier talk, referred to this situation of person coming home to their apartment or coming home to a, an apartment which they shared with another and there's this feeling of lack of intimacy and then the wonder, the speculation, sometimes the anxiety in the future, will there, will there be intimacy? And sometimes there can be relationships and um, marriage or, or partners and the question of children and having children arise. And in a, w in a way, that also is the same. It's in a way saying, will I ever have an intimate relationship with a child? Will, will that occur for me in my life? And then again, worry, anxiety, fear, and uncertainty about the, the future. All, all of this also gets fed in culturally as well through records. How many songs can ever be played without love somewhere in them? And, and the incredible production and the constant reminders to us of intimacy. But unfortunately, the focus of it, the sense of it, has got very, very narrowly defined. And our sense of self-worth becomes defined by whether or not we are and we experience intimacy in a relationship with somebody else. Our sense of our worth in life, our validity in life, becomes defined very easily through this mode. We were just with... Uh, yesterday we had... Um, some, uh, Henrietta and I had some lunch with uh, Sally Clough and Guy uh, Armstrong. Sally is the, uh, I'm not going to tell you about the intimacies of her personal life, but Sally uh, uh, is the director of the Spirit Rock uh, Centre and used to be, when she was in England, a committee member of Guy House and a, and a long-standing uh, uh, friend of mine. And they made a uh, interesting comment as we were coming coming back. They said in the, the, the network of friends and Dharma friends, there doesn't seem to be a great number of couples. There doesn't seem to be a great number of people who are together on a long-term basis. And uh, today I asked uh, M Mark who uh, uh, about his rel relationship and marriage and he has been with his partner for 18 years. And when we hear these figures these, these days, quite often the, the, 
the re res response is, oh, how unusual. <laughs> and these days, if people get into double figures, it's considered miraculous. <laughs> and if you get to the five-year point, um, people are bowing in front of them. <laughs> and so in the kind of ch change and upheavals which has... Um, Taken, taken place, sometimes there is one that, why has it changed so much? And sometimes in the circles and networks which we move in and through, in which there is genuinely, I think, uh, much affection and respect for each other, but change belongs to it. And, and, there, and there are those where there's this long-standing intimacies, and there are those where the period of time happens to be short-lived for all the reasons and changes and, in a way, the evolutions of consciousness and the variations of and differences between people. But sometimes th the, the thing has changed so dramatically in the period of, of uh, time, and perhaps California, perhaps on all the places on the earth, is the most famous for changes and all that takes place, that sometimes the mind runs back and one sees that one's parents have survived each other. It's usually just survived, but survived <laughs> each other for X numbers of, of years. And just as m when I return home, my sister's uh, in-laws celebrate 50, 50 years of marriage, or 50 years of survival, to depends <laughs> where you look at it from. And we look and say, why is it that it's not like that in the sum of the circles and with ourselves. And I think what very easily happens is that, as we have talked about here in other ways, in terms of those intimacies, the judging mind comes in and somehow the judging mind says, long-term is good, short-term is bad, long-term is f success, short-term is failure. Doesn't mean anything but the mind comes in with its old conditioning and the voice of mummy and daddy in the background to us and it puts that statement, that mind, onto time. It puts the mind, that mind, onto time. And I think somewhere when that is occurring for us, both with ourselves Oh, it didn't last, tears, tears. Or oh, whatever it might <laughs> whatever it might be. But somehow or other we're not really intimate with change. We're not intimate with change. Sometimes in these intimacies and the exploration, and I think those kind of explorations have much to say about spiritual life, they're inseparable in some way from each other. Sometimes we notice in relationship, in communication with other human beings, close, or that the very perception has a variation on the theme. 
the variation on the theme can be with any human being, and I'm not only talking interpersonal uh, relationships between a man and a woman, or a man and a man, a woman and a woman, but other close relationships, deep friendship relationships, blood relationships, another of course. The variations on the themes is that the quality, the sense of intimacy, varies considerably according to where the two humans are at. So sometimes the quality of the intimacy seems to be that there is no gap between. That sometimes there's a connection, there's a closeness, a deep intimacy of feeling in all manner of gestures, and the two people concerned are glad to know each other, happy to be with each other, genuine enjoyment and appreciation of each other, there doesn't appear to be any gap. No divisiveness through the judging, negatively judging mind. And those moments, we might say, there's a, a sweetness of intimacy, that sweetness of intimis, intimacy is heart-touching, and yet that sweetness of intimacy also can reveal gaps. And the gaps also can be very, very wide indeed. And sometimes the heart's yearning with another human being is to be, in a sustained way, very, very close. The very yearning to keep the intimacy generates friction <coughs> about the gap. The very yearning for that highlights the gap, highlights the distance. Rilke, who I refer to as a poet that I love and I consider one of the foremost poets of this uh, century, says of this very uh, beautifully and, and I think very profoundly. He says, we have to love the infinite spaces between us. The infinite spaces between us. So as I say, sometimes there's a closeness and there is no, no gap. Deep intimacy. And the various ways through that, that may be revealed and expressed to us. And then the gap, and sometimes the gap can be infinite. An infinite gap meaning a gap which cannot be bridged. It just isn't going to get bridged. Can that gap, vast as it is, unbridgeable as it is, actually be loved? Actually be acknowledged? Give you the example. A person came recently to see me, and she she said this is not at all an unusual uh, situation. She said she just came out. I was giving a retreat, and she just came out for the day, and essentially to have one uh, uh, one to one together, and uh, she is uh, married has been um, married for uh, several uh, years throughout the 80s 
and there was a problem or a gap in the relationship. She, many levels, loves and uh, trusts her husband. They've had a very uh, adventurous marriage insofar that they have traveled very extensively, lived in all sorts of uh, parts of the world, and have been uh, close and faithful with each other through this period of time. But, and this was what the issue was for her, she says, now that she's a, a parent, a mother, that her husband is unable to talk about problems, difficulties. And when she's having a problem for herself, in terms of com conflict or some confusion, or when the child is being very difficult and not cooperating, she turns to her husband and says to her husband, we, we really must talk about this, we really have to discuss this, it's very, very difficult, and the various reasons are provided, she gives. And his standard one-line response to this, what's the problem? There's nothing wrong, everything's going all right, why are you, why are you making such, such a fuss? And he cannot hear the problem. He cannot accept there is a problem. He cannot see what's wrong with uh, the difficulties in her relationship with the child. She's feeling very bad. She's feeling guilty. She's feeling she's not a good mother. And he says, you're fine, you're fine, mother. There's nothing wrong. And this continues, and it continues. And that gap, his inability to communicate to you, to speak, it at time and at length and at depth and to look over it is bringing frustration for her. So much frustration that she doesn't know whether the marriage can hold together because of this gap. When she doesn't refer to his difficulty, in this case with uh, the intimacies of that form of communication, all the other appreciations can start pouring out. How committed he is to the relationship, to the marriage, how supportive he is, how kind he is, how much he works for them, how much he'll make all sorts of sacrifices for her and for the, the children, what a good friend he is, he's reliable, faithful, all that, all this starts pouring out. But a one gap, therefore the absence of intimacy in the way that she would like it, it shadows, shadows, darkens the shadow over everything else. Can that gap, which appears unbridgeable, therefore an infinite gap, can that gap be loved? If these things with the world of relationships and the relationships which uh, matter to us need some understanding because sometimes of the, the suffering and the difficulties which emerge out of that, what one sees too, that sometimes, as a number of you know, a number of us know uh, very well, that in the change in some forms of the intimate, interpersonal relationship, the, cha the changes which take place in that, can that change in which there is one change in the relationship allow 
for heartfulness to remain steady, for friendship to remain steady. And I think one of the features, not always and not in every case, and doesn't have to be such, but the features on the network of things, that people's relationships, this is personal, you know, may relationships may change, but the friendship doesn't have to disintegrate because the relationship changes. The form of the relationship changes. And I think this is, a, in a way, a profound and significant social message. In that, if we look at intimacy, closeness, and distance, and acknowledge that the heart wishes for intimacy, and the very experience of intimacy reveals gaps, one reveals the other, and that movement takes place, human life at work, intimacy and gaps, intimacy and gaps, and wisdom is accommodating this movement, the closeness and the non-closeness, is it such that we have put through social conditioning too much of a narrow, ide narrow idea of what intimacy is? Have we narrowly defined it to our cost? If we say the word intimacy, in your heart of hearts, does a woman or a man come to mind? If so, we're living in a restricted perception. And that restricted perception, I think, puts pressure already before we even start in a relationship or if we're in it already. We've confined intimacy to an idea, socially conditioned. And it's, as we know, from bitter experience, the intimacy is not just dependent on where we are at. The intimacy is dependent on the heart and mind state of the other person. High risk activity. <laughs> <laughs> so, spiritual life, life of awareness, an expansive life, is a life that says, yes, intimacy truly matters. Yes, it's one of the most precious factors of life. And can this expansion also begin to include and be sensed of non-human life? Are we experiencing intimacies with non-human life? Honestly, that honestly are we experiencing it. And that means that the sweetnesses of non-human life, animals, birds, creatures, trees, flowers, earth, the, the dawn, the dusk, the sunrise, the sunset, the night sky, the day sky, whatever. Those sweetnesses which touch us in the moment that we are touched and the joyfulness of that being touched, that is a moment of intimacy. Is, is that intimacy actually featured in our life. That we're expanding out our sense of what it means. I think if we are, if our hearts of heart, deep down, we really do really sense that, perhaps 
human intimacies will fall into place in the vast scheme of things. There's another area of intimacy, but it's the same movement in meditation, in the very work which we engage in here as well. Same thing is going on. It's no different from our so-called personal life and personal relationships. But it, the movement that goes on is, there is what we call oneself, one's consciousness, there is the area or object or the content of interest and there is a relationship and in that relationship the form of experience of the relationship varies considerably. So sometimes in that relationship it appears like the observer observes the object one witnesses what is taking place. One, what there is the experiencer who knows and looks at or looks into the experience. That relationship may change quite considerably during the course of a day. Sometimes we feel very detached from things. We feel very remote rather disconnected from what's going on. Sometimes we open our eyes and we look around us here or elsewhere in the building and we feel, we have the sense, the image that we're an outsider and all of that's going on and I just don't feel I'm connected with anything, which is a way of saying I don't feel intimate with, with these events. I feel that there, there they are and here I am, and I can't, not really relating to it all. The same viewpoint, the same idea of self arises in personal relationships and in a hundred and one other areas of life. So sometimes we feel outside, distant, disconnected. And sometimes that gap appears big, and sometimes the gap is smaller and smaller, and we feel, sense very close, close with ourselves, close with the air, close with each other, and sometimes very, very close with the particular field of experience. Sometimes, as two or three people have said today, I've been experiencing and I've, been and I've felt really absorbed into the experience, really intimately uh, connected, deeply into the experience. So the movement, same movement is taking place. Consciousness, remote from, distant from. Consciousness, somewhere else. Consciousness, absorbed into. Just as it goes on in so-called personal relationships, it goes on in the relationship here. <coughs> and one says, may say, I would prefer to be much more absorbed and intimate with the experience. I would prefer, every time I saw a flower, I really felt the connection and the intimacy. Every time I heard the, the bird, I, was, I would realize that the bird 
and myself are sharing this moment together. Every time I saw a horse, the, the joy would flower out of me and I'd feel how close we are as sentient beings, sentient creatures together at this time and this period of the expanse of the earth. Of course one would say that. Of course one would, would love to experience that, that, that an intimacy which is sustainable, which is frequent, and which comes to us through every single sense door and through the intimations of our feelings. But life ain't like that. <laughs> we will end up living in cuckoo land. Yes. <laughs> The very experience of intimacy is appreciated through non-intimacy. We would only know a state of intimacy by knowing when we are not intimate. One is necessary for the revelation of the other. And somehow or other, we forget this. We forget it so often and so frequently, we keep imagining and we keep telling ourselves that we can sustain intimacy, sweetnesses, the delicacies, the joys, through all the moments. If one is the revelation of the other, if the movement of the non-intimacy occurs for us, we experience a gap of being distant from. Is there in that gap another kind of intimacy? Understand? Sometimes we experience a certain distance from. All sorts of reasons can be there to protect ourselves, to feel separate, to feel um, independent, to feel detached. All sorts of reasons and motives when we prefer to feel outside so that we, so that we don't feel that we're losing something of ourselves. All sorts of reasons. It can be quite, quite valued, isn't it? Totally without wisdom or anything. So sometimes the, 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 the gap and the distance and the non-intimacy is, a, I think, a very valid, authoritative, significant experience to be appreciated. I think there is place and time and appropriateness with wisdom for that. And sometimes when there is that gap there and we're not feeling intimately connected with anything or, or anyone there at that time, can we, in that, discover another kind of intimacy? What's the intimacy there?
And I think one of the ways that that can show itself in human relationship is that that experience in your life and my life, which appears, that experience is the experience which is common through inference of every other human being that one ever met. There's not a human being on this earth who doesn't feel at times to be outside what they're doing, who doesn't feel to be distant from their loved ones, who doesn't feel to be connected with today, connected with things which matter to them. That sometimes the very revelation of the gap of the distance shows the intimacy with other people. It shows just as I am, just as I, things that I experience, that confirms that my partner experiences like this at times as well. My teachers experience like this at times as well, and my friends experience like this, my family, whoever, whoever, whoever. So life, if life is the, the movement of connection and disconnection, gap and intimacy, if that's what in human experience keeps showing itself, let's for goodness sake acknowledge it. Let's not deceive ourselves that, that we can have all of one and not the other. Let's be ruthlessly honest and true to the experiences. I say sometimes when we are really genuinely willing to be really truthful and uh, honest with our experiences, then perhaps the way of uh, nature revealing itself can really reveal itself fully. <coughs> when we are just meditators with the object of meditation, the gap might be very small between the observation and the breath, the witness of the body, the witnessing of the sound, the, the observation of the feeling, the observation of the thought. We might say there's a very small gap there. We might say that it's a very refined duality, a very tiny distinction, a tiny separation in just observing a thought come and go, a sound come and go. <coughs> Can that apparent gap be such that that gap has no meaning when we're not embroiled in the object? Do you understand? We look at it and we say, I am observing this. I am the witness of this. I am looking into this. And we make a gap. Can it be that it's just a happening. It's not I observing an event, I looking at an event, I trying to get close to, I interested to be intimate with, be absorbed into, or distant from, beyond the object or whatever. Can that whole description be just an ev a vast event. That the intimacies of life 
and the gaps of life and the real and being realistic in all that reveals it's just one huge event. Extraordinary and inexpressible. Acknowledging the intimacies through the movements of consciousness, acknowledging the gaps through other expressions of movements of consciousness. No prejudice either way. It's just vast. Without any discoverable cause, any discoverable beginning, any discoverable end, any discoverable middle, it's simply immense. And all that goes on, intimate or non-intimate, as it were, is embraced in what is immense. May all beings live in peace. May all beings live in harmony. May all beings live in peace and harmony. Let's have a couple of silent minutes together, please. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.